There is no wisdom outside of God's wisdom. There is no truth outside of God's truth. That is the reality. Anything else you find or anything else you turn to, anything else you embrace is going to be built on man's flawed logic. It's going to be built on man's sinful understanding, and it's going to be built on man's self-serving perceptions. Now, I want you to hear that again. I've said that many times. Be sure and understand that. There is no wisdom outside of God's wisdom. There is no truth outside of God's truth. And anything else you find, anything else that you run to, that you embrace, it's going to be built on man's flawed logic. It's going to be built on man's sinful understanding. And it's going to be built on man's self-serving perception. And the truth is this, if you embrace it, if you turn to it, if you listen to it, you will fail. You will suffer. Years ago, it's funny I can start stories that way now. Years ago, time goes by. Uh, my dad and my brother and myself, we built a cabin. Uh, we had a farm that was on the Red River. We were going to fix a cabin on it, build it. We were going to sell it. We did that. Uh, I see it now. It's a VRBO. People come and they uh, resort in luxurious Vernon, Texas. Uh, it, is, it was a 900-square-foot cabin. It was two-bedroom, one bath, had a big great room, had a kitchen, had a porch all the way across the front of it. Uh, we built that on 42 telephone poles. Now, it was on the side of a hill. We couldn't get something up there. We took post hole diggers up there, and we hand-dug 42 telephone poles. The, the frame of that was three and a half feet off the ground. Again, it was on a hill where you could overlook the river. Uh, we dug the 42 holes, uh, we stretched a string, and we measured, and we did all the things working to make sure that it was square. Uh, when we got done with that, we had it all laid out, had it all set up. Uh, we put in the floor joust. They were two by six, uh, the floor joints. They were two by sixes. They were bolted into the telephone poles. Uh, we were very proud of that. We put on the floor deck on top of that, and when we put on the floor deck, here's what we noticed. Our 30 by 30 building, 129,600 square inch building, was off of square by two and a half inches. It was all done. It was bolted up. Holes were dug, and it was off of square by two and a half inches. Now, we being farmers and not builders, uh, we congratulated each other on how close we got. We were excited. My dad said, well, that's pretty good on something that big. My brother thought that's pretty good. We actually congratulated each other on being so close. We were only off a little bit, two and a half inches. What a great job we had done. First thing we did, we started putting up the outside siding. It did not fit. And so we could tilt a little bit. We could put a little bit of gap. If we put a little gap and three or four, we could get it almost straight. And so we had to cut it, didn't fit. From there, we went inside. We were going to put on the sheetrock, and it did not fit. Four by eight sheets, it didn't fit. Well, if we tilted a little bit, put a gap on one end, we might get it to work. We cut it, it did not fit. The, we just keep going, the, the walls, uh, the corners were a little bit strange. The, the floor tile. 
Uh, we, could, we could bend them and spread it out a little bit. The floor tile did not fit. We had to, to cut it. The ceiling decking. Now we're all the way at the top. It did not fit. The worst part of the whole thing was the tin roof that we put on top. You see, we could fudge with everything else. The tin, we couldn't spread it out. We had to mess around. We had to cut that. The last thing we did, the wooden deck out front, guess what? It didn't fit. We had to cut it. It didn't work out. A little bit not right cost us all the way through. Somewhere right now, someone's paying money for a VRBO, and they don't know how much work we went to to get that thing covered up. A little bit not right, just a little bit, and it cost us all the way through. Listen to me tonight. God's word is truth. God's wisdom is the only wisdom, and any deviation will cost you. Any, oh, it's just a little. It's not a big deal. We can move it around. We can, we can cover it up. Any deviation will hurt you. Now, I want to tell you the good news is tonight, he gives us his truth. He gives us his wisdom. It's not a puzzle that we have to figure out. There's not some formula we have to solve before he gives it to us. He is gracious. He is kind to us. And so he freely gives us his wisdom. In fact, the truth is this. He not only gives it to us, he wants us to have it. Graciously. He knows this is the best way to live. He, he knows this is the way that he's going to bless. And so graciously, he, he wants us to have to hold his truth. Today in our world, in our day, we see and we are seeing what a world operating outside of God's wisdom looks like. And I've watched the news and I see the things. We're seeing what it looks like to see a world operating outside of God's wisdom. It is off-center. It will not fit together. It will not work. And there is problem after problem. Well, tonight, it's going to be very plain in our verses what we're talking about. This week, almost unnoticed, and I think it's funny how things slide by anymore, almost unnoticed, the respect for Marriage Act passed Congress, it passed the Senate last week, and it was signed in as national law celebrated by our president. Uh, on this evening, they lit up the White House. Uh, it's the White House that we pay for. We ought not forget that in rainbow-colored lights. And so there's our White House, a testimony to the passing of this law. This law approves and it endorses homosexual same-sex marriage as the accepted law of the United States of America. This past week, the Department of Health and Human Service attempted again to pass a law. They tried to introduce it. It had been tangled up in the court, making it uh, mandated for doctors to perform gender reassignment procedures even if it's against their belief set. Could be hormone treatment, could be surgery. Uh, luckily, that failed in an appellate court this week. This week, the Department of Health and Human Service, and I, I'm, you know his name, you can see his pictures, had a man who dresses as a woman. Let's just call it what it is. He is a man who dresses as a woman. He's the Assistant Secretary for the Department of Health and Human Service. He actually had a speech 
in which he proclaimed, which he called for doctors and physicians to stand against, go listen to it, to stand against parents or any others who would hinder minors from accessing gender reassignment procedures, even surgeries. Now be sure that is state-sanctioned child abuse. That is state-sanctioned, state-endorsed perversion. Today, I went and looked at a bunch of websites. Today, universities, and they are tasked, they're supposed to be, with teaching science and medicine and ethics. They are building or they have built policies for gender identity. And at University of Texas, Texas Tech, go to the list. Our universities have built programs to, to be able to adapt around gender identity. They now have pronouns. And I think about this, it's nonsensical. They are, they are, they are now introducing systems to deal with what is called transsexualism. Uh, today, in all aspects of our culture, you can look around uh, in letters, in titles, in, in correspondence, in applications, in scholarships. People are encouraged also to list their desired pronouns, uh, the ones they would like to be addressed by. You can choose what folks will call you by the gender that you choose for yourself. Today, in all of this, there is a phrase, I was reading it yesterday, there's a phrase that says, Love is love. And so folks will say, well, love is love. I think the president said that. Doesn't matter what shape it is, what form it is. Doesn't matter if it's even abuse, abusive. Love in all forms and expressions is valid. Love is love. Let me tell you this. Along those lines, Amy Grant had her tapes when I was a kid. She won an award, a national award for her Christian singing. Uh, this week, after receiving the award, still with her medal on, it is announced she is hosting a wedding for her niece and her niece's bride. She says this, we ought to show love like Jesus. I could go on and on. I could go on and on. Those are just a, a few of the recent events. Let me say this. Most appalling, today, churches professing to be Bible-believing, professing to be Jesus-following, are conceding, are compromising to this madness. It is now popular to advertise that your church is an inclusive church. Your church is an inclusive church. Now, I see all of that, and I'm sure you do as well. I, I watch all of that. And I want to tell you, most concerning, and we listen, we ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to take note here. We ought to be sure of this. Most concerning is we are raising a generation of young people. Listen to me. We are raising a generation of young people, and they can't find the truth. They're not hearing the truth. They are confused. They are mixed up. They are being lied to. They are being manipulated. They are being exploited. And they are suffering deeply. Some of the statistics, I wouldn't even tell you some of the statistics, they are mind-boggling what this is doing to this generation of kids, of youth. Well, the question is this. What is the answer? 
What, what shall we do? How, how, do, how do we keep up? It seems like we've already lost. It seems like it's an avalanche. What is it that we should do? What is it we should do as followers of Jesus Christ? I want to tell you the good news is this. God has an answer. And I want to tell you God is perfect in his wisdom. And God is gracious in the giving of his truth. He's not trying to beat us up. This is actually the best way to live. He wants us to know his truth. And so tonight in a small little section of verses, we're going to see it tonight. What do we do? What, what's our response in such a mess? All right, let's look at our verses now. We're in Proverbs chapter 24. We've been going verse by verse. Here we are. We just finished a section called the 30 sayings. Here we are, Proverbs chapter 24, beginning in tw verse 23. Verse 23 says this, These also are sayings of the wise. Now, I want to stop right here. Uh, we just went through a section of 30 sayings, 33 things that God knew we needed to hear, that we needed to understand. And so right after that, here are the 30 sayings, 30 things we need to live by. Right after that, the author says, these also are sayings of the wise. Here is God's wisdom. These also are sayings of the wise. Now, before we go on, I want you to notice something. Notice as we go, all right, here's some more sayings of the wise. We're going to keep moving along. As we go, here's what I want you to notice. God's word is relevant in all times. The world says it's outdated, needs to be updated. It's, it's, it's an antique. We can't trust it. God's word is relevant in all times. God's word is relevant in all situations. Can we address the crazy things that we've talked about tonight with ancient words from this ancient book? Let me tell you, the answer is absolutely. God's word is living. God's word is active. It is perfectly relevant for us Today And so I want you to see as we go through, hey, this matches today. Hey, this speaks today. Hey, this is relevant for us today. These also are sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judgment is not good. Here's the first thing. To show partiality in judgment is not good. The first thing the Bible says, God's word says, here's a, a wise statement, God's wisdom, to show partiality in judgment is not good. Now, very simply, let me just say, here's what that means. The truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. It does not matter who says it. It does not matter who benefits from it. It does not matter who is offended by it. It doesn't matter who is harmed by it. The truth is the truth. We need to understand that. We need to teach that. The truth is the truth. And when it comes down to it, as we weigh it, as we judge it out, here's the deal. We show no partiality. The truth is the truth. Now, I'm not partisan. I don't know if you know me. I'm, I'm not partisan. I, I don't believe we have hope in any politician. I know the Bible teaches different. Our hope is in Christ alone. But let me, let me just show you some statistics. In 1996, Bill Clinton, right after that in 1998, Barack Obama, right after that, Joe Biden, then as a senator, they all said this. You can go watch it. 
Marriage is between one man and one woman. They all they said that. Between one man and one woman. Here's the thing that we're finding about our politicians. They're not partial to the truth. They're partial to whoever's going to vote them into office. And so they can say one thing and they can come right back and say the opposite thing and nobody even flinches. Listen, as believers, trying to honor God as believers, we are not prejudiced. We're not preferential. The truth is the truth. And I don't care who is saying it. I don't care what our opinion of them is. I don't care. The truth is the truth. If it offends you, it doesn't matter. The truth is the truth. These also are the sayings of the wise. To show partiality and judgment is not good. Verse 24. He who says to the wicked... You are righteous. Peoples will curse him. Nations will abhor him. Verse 24 says, He who says to the evil, to the wicked, this is a person that's opposed to the truth of God. They operate according, opposite according to God's standard. They are promoting sin. They are walking and steeped in sin. This is the evil person. They are opposed to the truth of God. They promote and they walk in sin. Those who would say to the evil person, those who would say to the wicked person, you're okay. It's not a big deal. In fact, you're in the right. You're okay. You're righteous. Here's what the Bible says here. That's not going to stand. That's not going to work. Now, listen, it may be popular for a while, and I think we're seeing that. Hey, it's popular for a while. We, 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 we applaud that for a while. But listen, if it's carried out... It's going to result in pain and suffering and turmoil and chaos. You know what? The people under that, they're going to curse that. They're going to hate that. They're going to boil in that suffering. Listen to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. The prophet Isaiah says this, Woe! to those who call evil good and good evil. This, this has to be a new thing what we're seeing today, doesn't it? Here's what he says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isn't that our day? Isn't that a perfect example of our day? We call what's wrong, we call it right. We celebrate it as right. We put the lights up on the White House. And when someone says, you know what, that's not what God's word says. When someone says, I'm gonna stand for the truth, our culture today says, well, you're unloving. Our culture today says, you're intolerant, you're a bigot. You are filled with hate. Isaiah said, woe to that person. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous. Peoples will curse him. Nations will abhor him. Verse 25. But to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight. And a good blessing will come upon them. We better know God's word. But to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight. And a good blessing will come upon them. What do we do? What are we supposed to do? Here's what God's word says. Those who rebuke the wicked 
For them there will be delight. For them good blessings will come. Now, I think I need to warn you right here. Friends, it's not going to come from the culture. It's not going to come from the world. They love darkness. They revel in darkness. The Bible tells us that as well. The Bible, in fact, tells us they will persecute the ambassadors of Christ, the ambassadors of light. And so it says here there's going to be delight. There's going to be good blessings. Do not expect it from the world. We need to be sure of that. Don't expect the world to bless us for this. But listen to me. Be very sure. The word of God, God himself says, for those who will stand, for those who will not compromise, for those who do not cave, for those that don't have to take a poll in order to see what they believe, but they turn to and they trust the word of God. Here's what the Bible says. For those that will stand, there will be a coming delight. There will be delight there will be a good blessing that will come. We have to be confident in that. Well, I don't know. They may hang us up. They may run us out of town. They may may slander us. They may do all sorts of stuff. Here's what the word of God says. For those who will stand, there is going to be delight. There is a good blessing that will come. We can be confident of that. We can be sure of that. Here's a big question. Well, what about the church? What about the church? What about all these churches who are caving? It's not unexpected either. Jeremiah chapter 23, go read the chapter. In that chapter, God warns, and he says, there are some who will come, and they will not speak the truth. There are some that are going to come, and and they're not going to preach the truth. And here's what he says in that chapter, the chapter before in that chapter, he says, they will say this to my people, be comfortable in your sin. Don't get upset about your sin. It's all right. Be comfortable in your sin. So the preachers are going to say, don't worry about these sins. Be comfortable in your sin. They're going to say, it's okay. God's not upset. God's not going to judge these sins. And, And Jeremiah chapter 23 says, they will be popular because of it. Actually says they will become rich because of it. God says, you can go read the chapter. I didn't send them. That's what he says. They're not mine. Here's the truth. They will not be blessed. And in that chapter, it shows us God's anger will be revealed against them. We're living in a day when the false church and the false prophets seem to be doing Pretty well. Here's the deal. God is not with them. Well, they're pretty close. Well, they're almost close. Well, they're saying some of the right words. God is not with them. He will not bless them. Verse 25, but to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight and a good blessing will come upon them. Verse 26, he kisses the lips who gives a right answer. He kisses the lips who gives a right answer. Let me just go ahead and tell you up front, verse 26 is hard to interpret out of the original language. Uh, It's surely tied to the cultural context of the day, and there seem to be two meanings uh, that, that really come from this verse that I think really are the same thing, that are really saying the same thing. One of the, one of the interpretations is 
that it is a blessing, it is a positive thing to have someone who speaks the truth. So what does that verse mean? It is a blessing, it is a good thing, a positive thing to have somebody who speaks the truth. Now another understanding says, one who speaks the truth shuts evil lips. Now you go back to the original language, uh, this mo may be the most literal understanding. One who speaks the truth shuts evil lips. Really, I think those are pretty close to the same idea. What that means is this. Listen very carefully. Blessed are you, blessed are we, blessed are the people, blessed is the church, blessed is the nation that has someone who will speak the truth. Blessed is the person, blessed is the church, blessed are the people, blessed is the nation who has somebody that speaks the truth. And so, dear friend, listen to me tonight. What do we do? It seems like an avalanche. It seems depressing. It, it is so discouraging. What do we do? Here's what we do. We speak the truth. We, you want to know what you do? You speak the truth. So while we're on the subject, let me give you a quick rundown. Any sex outside of marriage is a sin. Any people living together as husband and wife outside of the bonds of marriage is a sin. Homosexuality is a sin that God says himself he abhors. And it is a sin, yes, that Jesus spoke of in the New Testament. Marriage is defined by God in the Old Testament and yes, also in the New Testament as one man and one woman committed before God, committed before Christ. There are two genders and God created them male and female. And male and female, God, he created them. That's what the Bible says. And I want to tell you, it is silly and it is deceitful to choose your pronouns when God has already set your gender. And when it comes to upholding the truth, listen, it is sinful to compromise. And woe to the church and woe to the false teachers who lead out in it. God's word is truth in all areas. And let me tell you the good news. And when we fail, and when we compromise into sin, and that's really what all sin is, we, we give in, we compromise. When we compromise into sin, let me tell you the good news, we have a Savior. And his name is Jesus. And if we will turn to him, if we will repent and turn from our sin and his power, if we will turn to him, he will forgive us, he will restore us, he will renew us, and here's what he does. He sets all things right in his own sacrifice. We have a savior. Oh, how wicked our world is. Listen, if it will turn to Jesus, if we will turn to Jesus, he'll forgive us. That is how gracious he is. He'll renew us. He'll restore us. Back in fellowship with God himself. There is hope in the gracious truth of Jesus. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Dear Father, we come and we praise you. We thank you. We come and Lord, we, we know 
As you watch our world, our culture, our nation, our people, our churches, you must be disappointed. You must be sickened. Lord, you knew it was coming. You, you know that's how we, how we gravitate as sinful people. But we also tell you, Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry for compromise. We're sorry for when we compromise. We're sorry for when we did not and do not stand. But I also know that you're gracious and your truth still stands. And that there is goodness in your truth and there is, there is blessing in your truth. And I thank you for that. I pray that we'll be a people that turn to your word, that we'll be a church that turns to your word, that stands unapologetically on your word. And then, Lord, I'm thankful that when each of us blows it, messes it up, sins, that we have a Savior in Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I praise you for that. Lord, I pray that we would preach the truth. But more than that, at the same time, loudly, we would preach Jesus the remedy for sinners. Lord, we're thankful for your word tonight. I pray that we take it to heart. Pray that it shapes us, that it builds us. We tell you we love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.